Welcome to an all-new Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. Honey, we've come to the end of our study on Philemon. This is our last week to do a recap on all the subjects we've talked about. We use lenses, as we call them, each week to approach the letter from a different angle to see what the Word has to say to us today in this century that is current. (laughs) We don't want to be (laughs) living with the expectation that whatever they were going through was the only things that matter, nor do we want to think about the only things we're going through being the only things that matter either. Well, and I think it's wise to look through the lens of Scripture and see how it affects our lives today. But we also have to do it in context with what was happening at the time it was written. Yep, because it was written to them and for our benefit. I think a lot of great theologians have made that point over the centuries, and we so often don't get that. Right. We think the Bible was written last week, or it was written so far ago that it can't ever be approached. It is written by people inspired by the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. which others looked at and said, you know, something special, a spark of divinity was happening in that letter, in that book. Mm, I like that. Therefore, it needs to be part of our sacred text. We have the conventions that happened throughout the 3rd and 4th centuries that decided which of the books really rise to that level and have been used as the basis for our Bible as we understand it now, ever since that time. That being said, yes, I believe that it is divinely inspired, and the men who decided those things were praying and asking the Holy Spirit to give them wisdom. But I also think that we have to look at it in the lens of these were humans Mm. that translated as well. And so there is some bias, probably, in the way things are translated to what we now read. I would say it's fair to say, too, that the people that were deciding what is really Scripture and what is not also had a working knowledge of the languages originally written in. So they were reading from the earliest texts they had were from Aramaic and Greek and Hebrew. They were probably a lot more accurate scholars of those things at that time than we are today. Although good stuff's been happening with Bible scholarship in the past hundred years. And we've got our courage back to say, how can we put this in a voice that really sings to us in our generations? That's why Mm -hmm. you and I have never had a problem with traveling through the different translations, because like the seven blind men inspecting an elephant, (laughs) all these different translators can bring a different tone, a different nuance to how they suss out what God's intention was, what his heart was in all these Mm -hmm. scriptures. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not afraid at all to be reading from the Passion or the Voice or the New International Version or the Christian Standard Bible or any other number of English translations that I would be able to read. Mm -hmm. And then go back and look at, as we've done many times, the Scripture for All website, which gives us the best layman's approach at what the literal words meant in the Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic, and let you actually figure out what to do with it, how to make the sentence work so it makes sense to you. So even a layperson can approach these scriptures in a way that is way beyond what people for a thousand years have been able to do. Well, I am still learning as I grow in my faith and my walk with the Lord that different words have many translations or many iterations of that word. That's fascinating to me. If you look in the English language dictionary even today, you've got one, two, three, four, sometimes even five or six different definitions of that same word based on its usage, where it comes from, and the context. So we know that when we use words, they don't always mean the same thing in every sentence we use them in. Yes. So we have to be careful about assuming that we know exactly what they were speaking of. Therefore, I think it's really important to remember that we ask the Holy Spirit to come inspire us. Mm -hmm. And if we don't believe the Holy Spirit can really speak to us, then we need to have that talk with God. Yes. 
It's Him. He, the three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are the way we get to the heart of God. Mm -hmm. They are the heart of God. They're the mind of God. Well, the Holy Spirit is the connection that we have. Yes. The Holy Spirit. The one that takes up residence in our hearts. As Paul says, is before the Father Mm -hmm. and praying for us things that we can't even utter. We don't Mm -hmm. even understand. Right. So the Holy Spirit is so intimately acquainted with us, each individually, and at the same time, so intimately acquainted with the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit can speak the deepest levels of our desires to the Mm. Father, of our joys to the Father, even when we don't understand them. So I think that's a beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit, and I would encourage each of you to cultivate that relationship with the Holy Spirit. So you know what his voice sounds like when you hear it. There have been times when you and I have traveled internationally, we're in a situation where we have no clue about the language. When you go way off grid, as far as our (laughs) English or Western world goes, and you hear people speaking in tongues using words and utterances and phrases and intonations that you've never heard before, Mm -hmm. and you have no clue how to make sense of it. What but for the Holy Spirit help you even understand who you're with or if you can trust them or if they're good people or bad people? You have to really trust the Lord to guide you well and trust your friends that are your interpreters. Mm -hmm. You have to. And there have been times, I know, sitting down with people, pastors, where they will be opening up the Word of God and you'll grab your English Bible and you start following along and you hear it come to life in another tongue. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, it's like, this is alive because the emotional core of it, I'm reading the words in my language but I'm feeling the spirit coming out of this person who's reading it aloud and preaching from it. There have been times where it's been like revelation, where you can literally get into the message. Not just an idea of what he's preaching about, but what he is preaching Mm -hmm. or what she's preaching. Because these home fellowships across China, Burma, Central Asia, they're full of people who have become invigorated by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in powerful, powerful ways. And we've sat there in their presence and known what they were talking about, but couldn't explain why. So sweet. Yeah. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So I believe that is why it's okay. <laughs> to ask and challenge our friends, jump in somewhere, grab a copy of the Bible you have, even if it's King James or a edition that has antiquated words that you're not familiar with. Even starting there, you can say, Holy Spirit, help me to understand what's here, what your heart is. I think it's a promise that he always, always honors. Absolutely. That brings us back around to the end of Philemon. We've had these lenses. We've talked about slavery, economics, mentorship, definition of family dynamics, and kingdom identity. Mm -hmm. All different ways of looking at this letter saying they're all present here in Mm -hmm. big ways. Right. And if we spent our time just on each one of those things, that would be enough for a lifetime. Yet Paul, in this one letter, is writing something that has the power and the potential to transform generations and cultures, past, present, and future. Who knows if we are left on this earth another 10,000 years, what the cultures will be facing at that time that will resonate because we believe that truth is eternal. That's why it's in this book. Right. But it also resonates right now. I loved how you pulled out these different topics or these different lenses, as you call them, so easily. I have to really dig and dig to see mm-hmm. different aspects like that, especially in this little short book from mm-hmm. 24, 25 verses. So I'm challenged by you to really look at the 10,000, 35,000 foot view and then to focus down the lens into the 10 foot view mm-hmm. of different topics that come out of here for you. And so that's part of our chasing the word dynamic, exactly. though, is that we can encourage each other, challenge each other to view scripture 
from a different lens, from a different angle, your more analytical angle and my more emotional <laughs> angle or whatever, how we look at things, it's different. Yeah. So it is a good thing to do this together and to challenge each other and encourage each other. And every time we put our imagination caps on and step into the room to crib a little bit from Lin-Manuel Miranda and Hamilton... I want to be in the room where it happens. Exactly. And when we allow the Holy Spirit to say to us, this is what it was like. This is what the people were going through. And just ask him those questions. Mm -hmm. Gentle things can come up in our hearts to kind of get us in that room where it's happening. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why God allowed these circumstances to happen and these words to be written that would mean everything to the people who received them at first because they're the subject and the object. But for all that cloud of witnesses coming afterwards, mm -hmm. of which we are now probably the 70 or 80th generation since that time it happened, can look at these words and say, there's real power here. I need to rethink my view on the world, yeah. my view on what is right and just and equitable in my society, mm -hmm. in my church today. It can be a corrective. It can be an encouragement. It can be, you know, a lament. Yeah. For us today, not just somebody else's experience way back when, because it will resonate with us if we allow it to. Absolutely, it will. It's important for us to view it in our own terms. Well, terms might be a little hard word because people might misunderstand us. Like we're putting the, the reasons for it on there. Right. Not in our own terms in a way as like, this is the way I see things and that's it. But it's through the lens of our own personalities yeah. and our, the characteristics. the Our experience. Our experience, yeah. 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 So, honey, what is the wrap-up for you from the book of Philemon? My first one's kind of a meta-take, which is, what's all the other stuff that happens to people when they read something and they encounter something we're not expecting? Mm -hmm. I have no doubt that when Paul was writing this letter to Philemon about Onesimus and their relationship, how the prisoner and the slave and the slave owner and the free citizen all relate to each other in Christ mm -hmm. as something that is new and above and beyond and more than the sum of the parts— they can see that, and Paul's trying to lead them on gently to say, look, it's different now. Yeah. So when Paul brings up a new perspective, a Jesus perspective, the expectation is that everyone else will yield to that truth, too, in their own particular personal way. Mm -hmm. That's just implied there. There's a great expectation on Paul's part that Onesimus will find welcome and may not be punished for being gone or run away, whatever his situation is. There's a great expectation there that Philemon will heed Paul's call to him on spiritual authority and yield to love mm -hmm. and find a way to elevate Onesimus and forgive him, bring him back. Mm -hmm. I can't help but wonder that if this is not after a time in Paul's ministry where he's finally reconciled with John Mark, there had been a time early on in the ministry where he took off and he was lambasted by Paul for being a runaway mm -hmm. from the ministry, but he just couldn't hack it. And he wasn't very kind to him. Barnabas had to get in his face because Barnabas was probably the kid's uncle and had to remind Paul of his better angels. You don't just throw away people because they let you down. Mm -hmm. You deal with the ones that God gives you. Mm -hmm. Well, he does mention Mark at the end of this book, so right. they worked things out, perhaps. And this is also Paul, I guess, acknowledging it worked out in his heart. He has learned how to forgive. Mm -hmm. He he had to walk a painful path, perhaps, to go beyond his pride, mm -hmm. to allow John Mark a place in his life, and perhaps he restored to ministry, which would be a really tough thing for a guy who was absolutely a straight arrow and a powerful personality. Mm -hmm. So something, I would say, has transformed into Paul's life earlier that's made it possible for him to write this way to Philemon. Like, it could happen to you because it happened to me. Right. I think, too, that Paul is sensitive to the Spirit. Oh, yeah. Paul is in constant communication with the Spirit. I mean, he talks in other books that we've read 
pray constantly, pray without ceasing, keep praying daily, keep praying, keep praying. He talks about that. So I think that he has an ongoing conversation with the Holy Spirit. One of the things that I like about reading this is that Paul is in tune with what the Holy Spirit is already doing in the lives of other people. And he is appealing to the Holy Spirit's work in Philemon. He says to Philemon, I hear of the way you love God and God's people and the faith that you have in Jesus. I hear about that and it encourages me. And the Holy Spirit in me is bearing witness to the Holy Spirit work in you. Something that has been said to both of us through mentors and through others. Look for where the Holy Spirit is at work and join that work. Don't try to make up something new necessarily. See the Holy Spirit's work and get on board with that work. Or try to distract him from what he's already doing. Come join your thing. Exactly, yeah. I think there's plenty of people that pray that way. Lord, come to me where I am as I'm doing this thing because that's great. Mm -hmm. We kind of forget that we're not the ones calling the shots. Exactly. Or that we're not really going to experience greatness until we join him where he is. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I believe it can be found. And, yes, I do believe it's not always right where we are. We need to be willing to move yes. off our rear ends and off the button <laughs> right. here to get somewhere else. Because God, I think, can be experienced and seen to be doing His work if we're willing to go where He is. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the Word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Please take a moment today to consider how you might help us to accomplish our unique media ministry and mission. Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Thank you, friends, for standing with Compassion Radio during these times of great change to our normal life. We have a very special giving opportunity for a special offering to the church in Ukraine. And I beg of you, send your best gift today to support the Christian family there. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. Our mailing address is Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Reach out to us whatever way works for you. And now, back to our discussion. We need to be willing to move off our rear ends and off the button (laughs) here to get somewhere else. Because God, I think, can be experienced and seen to be doing His work if we're willing to go where He is. And that sometimes literally is a physical place. It could be, right. Takeaway verses, the things that kind of moved you most about the book. I was drawn to verse 6 because you know how I love to welcome people into our home. And I love the fellowship that is afforded us when we have a space for it. When people are in our home and we sit with them, we have a cup of coffee, we have a glass of wine, we have a dinner, we have a fire in the fire pit outside on the patio. That time is so sweet. And And Paul says, my prayer is that our fellowship with you as believers will bring about a deeper understanding of every blessing which we have in our life in union with Christ. And those times of fellowship, there is such great union with Christ and our joining together with the Holy Spirit in other people and that sweetness to it. So that begs that question, 
can you really experience the Holy Spirit in his fullness without experiencing him through other people coming back at you like a mirror? Mm. I think it's part and parcel of our growth in him. If we met Jesus and experienced the Holy Spirit's sweetness and we died shortly thereafter and went to heaven, all would be good for us. But there's something about the longer life that if God allows us the years to work our way through this, where you've traveled to places where there are doubts or where there are conflicts in our core beliefs and what God seems to be revealing around us that become difficult, we may lose not just our way, but our hope of finding the way. Mm-hmm. And something, I think, happens when we're willing to say, I want to hear your story. And giving room for that to happen and trusting that God's going to bring you something that refreshes your soul and that you can celebrate. So when you hear their story, you say, that's wonderful that God did that. Tell mm-hmm. me more about it. Our perspectives change to being less about us and our problems or our perspective right, and right. much, much more about what God is doing outside of us. And I do think there's something to be said for healing the inside of us by being willing to be outside of us. Going okay. out there to the world so that God has some room to maneuver and clean the rooms up in our <laughs> hearts while we're focused on being outward focused. There's some kind of synergy there that yeah. happens when yeah. we allow people to come close and trust that God's going to use them to speak truth to us. It's the joy of relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the sweetness of closeness with other people. Do I believe that we need time alone, that we need solitude, that we need quiet? Yes, mm-hmm. I do. And I I need that to recharge my batteries. Yeah. But there's also time that we really do need that connection with other people. You've talked about it oftentimes with me in our move to mm-hmm. North Idaho and how we need to have a connection. We need to have a church body that we can cultivate relationship with mm-hmm. and connect with other people that are like-minded, that right. are committed to the work of God. And I know that that's important. And I know that God is directing us to a church body that that will be his way of connecting us to him in other ways. At this stage in our lives, especially. Well, we don't have a whole lot of time left in this program. So I would say that the core verses for me are that heart of verse 8 through about verse 12 and 17, where he talks about Paul's motivations for why he's coming to Philemon and how he hopes he'll respond He says, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. In other words, we have agreement that this thing is right. We just know it's right. Not always easy to ask, but we know it's right Mm -hmm. to be forgiving and to receive. Yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. That doesn't mean to talk to you in a loving way or a kind way. It's appealing to the person to recognize that we both have an obligation to the ethic of love here. What does love require of me now Mm -hmm. when it comes to the question of? And for Paul and Philemon, they're dealing with the question of somebody who's really at risk. He could be thrown into prison the rest of his life. He could be abused. He could be sold and killed because he's a recalcitrant slave and someone else doesn't like him. He has no rights. Mm -hmm. But in the case of Paul dealing with Philemon, they're both having to wrestle with what does love really require? In other words, the spirit of the living Christ here. Mm -hmm. And when they're willing to wrestle with that question... Real healing and real restoration and real possibilities come out of that. And I think that is the the core lesson I'm carrying forward. What's it like to really say yes to God's call on my situation right now and my willingness to obey and serve him? What does it really require? Yeah. And in verse 17, he says, So if you consider me a partner, welcome him, Onesimus, as you would welcome me. How often do we extend to our friends this appeal? I'm sending back somebody you think you know, but you don't. Mm -hmm. He's been through a lot. 
I can't explain it all right now, but I want you, you believe in me, you take me at a moment's notice, treat this person like me. Mm -hmm. That's a really, really strong appeal. So if you sent back that word to your mom and dad when you were a teenager saying, just welcome this person when they show up at your door, they really need us, mom and dad. And I know I've done that in my lifetime. You have too. And you know that your parents will say yes. Yeah, absolutely. And in some ways, you and I have had that opportunity with our kids just to receive. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what the situation is. We don't know why this kid is in our living room, but we're going to feed them. And we're going to love on them. And there'll always be a place for them. Yep. And we start adding them to our family of sorts. Yeah. And it's a joy to do so. This scripture reminds me that this is one of life's great joys, not just obligations. But to receive somebody, especially one who needs it, especially one that goes against what the rest of society's expectations are, that we are the ones willing to go out the extra mile to rescue somebody from a situation, to love on them and just accept them as they are. What a gift that is to the world, but also to us that we're willing to say yes to Holy Spirit saying, don't let this one fall away. Mm -hmm. Don't let this one disappear Love this one. Don't miss this opportunity. And adjust your mind to my way of thinking, if necessary, because I'm sending them to you anyway. And Paul did that very thing. He sent Onesimus back. Mm -hmm. So I can see Philemon sitting there, reading the letter with Onesimus standing in front of him. You know, Paul's not hiding him in a closet, hoping to save him if Philemon says no. Right. He's taking a big risk. And I'm certain that he sent Onesimus and that letter together. That's a lot of faith. Yeah. That's why I believe that Paul was so in tune with the Holy Spirit that he could sense the work the Holy Spirit was already doing in Philemon. And that's how we got to wrap up this study on the book of Philemon. To be on the wavelength of God and doing the things with him he's already doing, caring about the things he already cares about, Mm -hmm. being with those he really wants to be with, just being there, you'll know the presence of a living God. Mm Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for joining us on this study of the book. We'll come up with something different and new for next week's Chasing the Word, and we'll keep marching our way through the Word of God and make this a lifetime habit for all of us. Thanks for joining us today.
We're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. Please give generously, even sacrificially, right away. 1-800-868-2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Text the word COMPASSION to 53445 or give online at CompassionRadio.com. God bless, and we'll see you tomorrow.